This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your host, Senior Financial Advisor Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing structured investments, using chat GPT to pick stocks, and finally, conflicts of interest at the banks. Mike, it's summertime. I've been able to pick up my reading a little bit, and I came across three interesting articles that I thought you and I might want to discuss. And the first one ties into a a recent podcast that we did on chat GPT, and we talked a little bit about what it is and, and how it can be used in the financial world. And there's been a lot of information out there about, you know, well, why wouldn't I just use it to help pick stocks from my portfolio? And David Booth, the chairman of Dimensional Fund Advisors, came out with a, just an article recently, and I thought he had some great points to make. Number one, and this was the question, can artificial intelligence help to pick stocks? Specifically, can investors use artificial intelligence to determine the fair price of a stock or bond? Can it do a better job than you or I? And basically, if we look at the data, it can generate potential scenarios based on the learnt patterns of historic market data. But chat GPT is going to struggle with the same things human beings struggle with. Real world changes, the future, that come outside their training data. No one can predict the future. Even chat GPT can't predict the future. It's basically summarizing all of the known information that's out there already today. And it's back to why professional money managers still struggle beating the market. Yeah, remember, it's just, it's an aggregator, right? It's getting information and putting it together that's already available. It's not, it doesn't think and come up with any new ideas. It's just taking the ideas out there and making them available to you. In a quick manner. And, you know, I've heard lots of people say, what used to take me two hours can now take me five to 10 minutes. So it's got a strength. So the other couple things that David points out that I thought were great Number one, his, his belief, now this is his belief, after fees, probably not. So it's not going to be able to cover off the fees in all likelihood. Number two is if you actually were able to do it, why would you tell anyone about it? Let's say you'd create, created this super artificial intelligence. Why would you share that with the world? The minute you share it with the world, the, 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 the artificial information goes away. Everyone starts using it, it doesn't work anymore. It's just going to add to the efficiency of markets. So he did a final one, and I thought this was a great strategy. He actually asked the question to chat GPT. He said, which is better? Am I better to pick stocks using the chat GPT approach, or am I better to try and pick individual stocks or rely on the market? And here's what it replied. It is generally safer to trust the market price mechanism than to rely on an AI model to miss and find mispricing in the market for stocks and bonds. The market 
mechanism is based on all of the collective information and actions of the market, participants, and incorporates all that available information into asset prices. As a result, it is difficult for any single investor or AI model to consistently outperform the market by identifying the mispricings. I guess the problem is ChatGPT can't lie, can it? <laughs> it has trouble lying. Yep. The next article I came across was by a good friend of ours, Ben Felix. It was an article on the Globe and Mail. And I'm going to change the title of the article, but basically it's, I have this perfect investment. It's a little complicated, but it's this perfect investment. Mike, what do, what's, you know, we've had lots of people say to us over the years, well, can't I just get a guaranteed return with, you know, a guaranteed investment with an 8% return? Yeah, the dream GIC. This is what that investment is. It's called a structured product. And basically, it's promoted to give you market returns with 100% capital protection. That's the marketing campaign. When Ben went and did a little deeper dive, here's what he discovered. Number one, they're typically overpriced by about 5%. So 5% isn't ridiculous, but in other words, if you're buying it through the market, you might be better to try and create it yourself than to pay that extra 5% premium. Yeah. So if you figure 5% is a five-year hold, you're losing 1% a year to start, right? So what else are you missing out on? Most of them, and I mean most, don't include dividends. So dividends account from anywhere to 1% to 3% of market returns. In some cases, a third of market returns come from dividends. So that's not part of the equation in the, in the return you're going to get. So in other words, if the market earned 8 and you're getting, you're getting 8% over a five-year period, 8% a year, but it doesn't include dividends and the dividend's 3%, you're only getting 5%. If you're only getting 5%, you might have been better off just buying a GIC, which is also 100% guaranteed. So these things aren't all they're cracked up to be. It's the problem is there's a lot of smart financial people out there and they're trying to create opportunity off people's fears. And they have a lot of fee structures and uh, you get paid a lot to sell these things. You know, I, I've seen uh, them come across our desk and they're willing to pay a hefty commission for you to go and sell these structure notes. What's interesting is we've talked about the industry's moved to a more fee-based approach. These products seem to fall outside that still. And they're sold on a commission basis where that advisor is going to earn a 2 to 3% commission just by recommending it. It's also an illiquid investment. So my suggestion is stay away. The last one was an article that I really found interesting. It was in the Globe and Mail. And it took a direct shot at Canadian banks. And, and why I found that interesting is we have always said that you know, some of the some of the thing, the behavior of banks doesn't get written about because they're also big supporters of those newspapers through the through advertising. And so it was always sort of a, a conflict of interest for them to be, you know, saying bad things about one of their biggest clients. So what the article basically touched on is that there are some conflicts of interest that exist within a number of Canadian banks. And we're not going to name any names because that wouldn't be right. And that isn't the scope of this podcast. But 
what are these conflicts of interest? Well, number one, one of the rules that came out in our industry and it become a uh, know your product rule, right? And uh, again, do I agree with this? Should you know your product? Yeah, we absolutely know our product and uh, we, we've stuck to a very simplified solution using DFA because we understand every piece of how DFA works, right? They brought this out to the banks and the banks use this as a different purpose. When they went to the banks and said, you have to know your products, most of the banks went and said, well, we no longer want our branch advisors selling any uh, funds other than the ones that are from uh, our branch because they can't know them well enough. So they sort of switched around that rule to force the branches to only deal in that uh, institution's own product, which really create a conflict of interest. I mean, when we say we use a product, it's not related to our institution, right? So we, we have no conflict in there and we've made sure we've kept it that way. It went exactly in the opposite direction in the banking industry. A couple of other pieces that were discussed in this article, again, um, within the branch, there's sales targets that they need to hit. Um, uh, they're told to use their product, even though it may be more expensive. And they've also essentially, and this is in the branch, this is not necessarily the brokerage arm of the branch, but this is in the branch itself. They're, they're not actually allowed to recommend a non-bank product. So I think it's buyer beware. You need to understand when you're going into that institution, if you're going into the, you know, the, the what I, I'm not even going to use a color, you're going into the purple bank, they're going to recommend purple products. Yep. And, you know, if you go into the, the Maytag store, they're going to recommend Maytag Appliances. And the problem is you better have a purple mortgage too. <laughs> so, and purple insurance. <laughs> I think it's a big step for the Globe and Mail to do this. I'm sure they'll take some, uh, some heat for it. But uh, those have been some interesting articles that I've been reading. I thought we should share them with the audience. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited. <music>